Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And just a reminder, folks, you can find the archive of Big Blue Kickoff on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as the mobile app on Giants.com if you want to uh, check out some of our past programs. And really subscribing on your podcast platforms is one of the easiest ways to get the show delivered directly to you every day. The way to get in touch with us during today's show is 973-667-1960. Again, it's 973-667-1960. And just as a friendly reminder, we only have one line while we're all doing this from home. So if the line is busy, don't worry. As soon as that one caller is off the line, it will open up and we will get the next caller up. So if it's busy, just keep trying back and we will get you on. You can also submit your questions on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. Lance and Paul will monitor that throughout the show. But if you want to get your questions in and you're not on social media, which is a very wise move, it's Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions, and you can submit your questions that way. Lance, Paul, Mr. Dettino, did you walk yet today? How's it going? I already <laughs> did my, my five this morning, John. Got out very, very early before the heat started to settle in. It was only about 68 degrees when I actually stepped outside the door. Yeah, after we chatted yesterday, I did about a half an hour jog at around like 5.15 or so yesterday, Paul. And you're right, the humidity was down. It was a nice day. These last two days have been incredibly comfortable, especially considering what we had earlier in the week. Mr. Meow, how are you? Have you been punkered down? I've been doing perfectly fine, uh, and I have no problem with the heat, especially when you can work out in the comfort of air conditioning. So you know, I haven't even asked you about of both it. worlds. What what has has have you seen a, a lot more people in the city near your palatial, you know, penthouse apartment in recent <laughs> weeks? Are more people there, or is it still very empty? I think it's pretty much just about the same. Okay. Most businesses haven't necessarily fully opened in the city, even though the restrictions have loosened. I mean, there's some restaurants right in my neighborhood. They have yet to open their doors. So. Are they doing takeout and delivery or not? Not at all. I haven't seen them even do takeout and delivery over the last oh, wow. few months. Yeah, they've been completely shut down. Interesting. All right, well, we got a lot of stuff going on today. Maybe we'll answer some questions if we have time. I mentioned the phone calls. We'll take those. But we for went this, I guess, last week because uh, we had some news breaking and we had an interview we wanted to do, but we have to do another section of our over-unders. We already did Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley two weeks ago, and now, or three weeks ago, I think it was, and now we'll have a chance to do the Giants receivers, and if we have time, I actually have some defensive over-unders we can do as well. Mr. Dettino, I will let you select which wide receiver we want to play this game with first. Oh, I think we should probably go with Shep. Okay, we'll start with Sterling Shepard, the longest tenured Giants wide receiver. Uh, Jeff Fiegels and I came up with these numbers about uh, two and a half weeks ago, so I'm curious to see how, what you guys think of the numbers we came up with for each of these guys. All right, here we go. We did receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns for each of these players. We're kind of assuming they play 16 games, but I don't know, maybe they don't. We'll find out. So here's where we're at for these guys. And I think Sterling Shepard is an interesting case because he's played two of his four seasons where he's actually gotten two 16 games in two years where he hasn't. And his per-game stats were actually better in the two years where he didn't get to 16 games. Otherwise, right. he has been remarkably consistent over the course of his career. He's been between... 
57 and 66 catches every single season he's been in the NFL, and he's been between 576 and 872 yards. So he's been pretty consistent. So Jeff and I set his number of receptions this year at 65 and a half. Mr. Dettino, I give you the honors of going first for Sterling Shepard receptions. Okay, well, we have spent a lot of time talking about how the Giants would probably like to spread the ball around, uh, use a lot of Barkley, use a lot of the tight ends, especially because of Jason Garrett's offense in Dallas. Uh, We believe, again, we believe that everybody's going to report healthy and that, uh, you know, they're going to get a a, a real nice season out of those guys. So I'm going to say under uh not by much i could see him having 60 but i will go under mr meadow your thoughts i think sterling shepherd's gonna have a cole beasley-esque type of role within the giants offense so interestingly if you look at what beasley's done he's had as many as 75 catches one season when he played all 16 games and then he had another one where he had 65 i'm with paul i think it's gonna come in just under and I'll actually say he'll probably finish with perhaps 64 or 65 ah, catches. Ah, wow, lads going right up the wire here. Uh, Fiegel selected under as well. I'm going to go over, and I understand the concussions are a problem, and they're a risk, and they're a worry, but I'm not going to worry about them. I, I probably should, but I won't. I think if he plays 16 games, he's going to— get 70 catches. I think he'll be a constant short area target for Daniel Jones. So I will be the lone wolf here and go over on 65 and a half in terms of catches. And here's why, guys. Last year, with this group of receivers, in 10 games, he had 57 catches. That's 5.7 catches per game. You put that over a season, that's nearly 90 catches. Yeah. So now, I don't know it's going to be quite that high. I think that's a little overly optimistic. But even if he plays... 13 games. I think there's a decent chance he averages more than five catches a game uh, to get to 65 catches. So I'm going to go over here, but I agree it's going to be close. Now, yards. This was a tougher number to come up with because, to my point, I thought he'd be kind of a short and intermediate guy. Uh, Lance, we set this. I'll let you go first. We set him at 720 receiving yards for the year. As I mentioned, last year, 576, 872 the year prior, 731 and 683. So we kind of put that number right smack in the middle. Well, I think this is also going to come down to the wire, too. I think it's going to be very close. I'll go slightly over. I could see him being in that 730 to 750 ballpark, assuming, of course, that he plays all 16 games, which he's done twice in his four seasons in the NFL. I don't think that that's a stretch. I mean, Shepard, when you look at his yardage per catch over the course of his career, he's averaging just under 12 yards per catch. So I think 730 to 750 is certainly doable. I'll go slightly over. Paulie? And I'm thinking about 750 to 760, so I'll go slightly over also. I think it's going to be over, too. If, if I'm saying more than 65 catches, I think he's going to have to be over 720 yards. So I'll go over. Fields went under for that one. Receiving touchdowns, we set it at four and a half Ooh. in Shepard's career. Oh, Lance doesn't like the number because it's a <laughs> tough one. I like that. He had eight as a rookie, two in 2017, four in 2018, and three last year. You want me to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to go under. Sorry, I I should have specified that. I'm going to go under for touchdown catches. Um, I think there will be other guys that are bigger red zone threats. I think he'll get four, but I think he'll be under four and a half. Lance? 
Yeah, I'm also torn, but I would lean towards under as well. See, I could see him finishing with five exactly, but if you look over the course of his career since that rookie campaign that you mentioned, and remember, he started off with a very strong game, remember, in that week one matchup against the Cowboys when Dak made his season debut too. They looked to Shepard in the end zone multiple times in that game. Since then, partially because of the injuries, partially because of other targets, if we're operating based on your premise, John, that we have to assume everybody's going to be relatively healthy this season, we're talking about the tight ends, we're talking about Barkley being a factor in the receiving game, then I think based on that logic, he'll come in slightly under. Fair enough. Paul? You know, I'm the guy who's got adjective with uh, Lance on this one because I think it's going to be really, really close. I would have would have guessed four before you came up with the number, and then you said four. So uh, I'd like to say push, but that's not an option. No, I went so four I'll, and a half. Four and a went half. four and a half, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go under then. <laughs> All right. I'm, okay, I'm very happy with our Shepard numbers because they seem to be pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Slayton, Lance, I'll give you the choice. Who's next? Golden Tate or Darius Slayton? Well, let's go with Slayton because I think he's by far the most intriguing option in that receiving All right, let's go Darius Slayton. We set the receptions for him at 61.5. Lance, I will let you go first. Well, he had 48 last year. We had a conversation the other day, John, with a caller in terms of perhaps thinking maybe he'd get into the 70s. I think that's pushing it to expect him to double his production, I think, is asking a lot. I've said this multiple times. You did not have all of these players on the field at the same time last season. When you put them on the field, the targets and the receptions are going to change. So you said 61 was your number? 61 and a half. I'll go slightly under. I could see him coming in in that 59 to 60 ballpark. Paulie? Ooh. Oh, I picked another good number. I'm happy. Okay. Yeah, you really, you really did because, uh, I, wow. I'd like to say over 60, but I, I don't think it's going to be. I'm going to stick with Lance here and say slightly under. I'd love to say that he's going to catch 70 and just have a 1,000-yard season and just really light it up, but I'm not so sure that Jason Garrett really wants that to happen. Uh, It's not anything against Slayton, but I think that they want to spread the ball around so much. I just really do. Between the tight ends and and the running backs and and the receivers, I don't know that any Giant is going to catch, you know, 70 to 75 balls. And I don't even know if they're going to have a 1,000-yard receiver. Boy, this is tough for me. I'm going to come back to it. Uh, Receiving yards. Paul, go. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm going to come back to it. Wait, you put us against... The wall with our backs, and right. now all of a sudden you no, wiggle that, out of this? No, that's fine. That's, no, that's a work. chicken move. No, that, no you're right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, 61 and a half. I think we're going to be right around 61, 62. Um, he didn't play in a full 16 games last year because he didn't play a lot earlier in the year. I think he will go over 61 and a half. I'll go over. I'll be the lone wolf. But I think it's going to be close. All right. Yeah, Rece- that makes sense. Receiving yards. Paul. Um, and again, remember my theory with the offense here is that they have to throw the ball a lot because I don't, I, I think they're going to have to, you know, score a lot of points this year because I don't think the defense is there yet. So I'm going to, you know, be a little bit aggressive with a lot of these numbers here for the receivers. Uh, Paul, let's go to receiving yards for Slayton. I went 910, 910. Yeah, I'd love to see that happen, John. I, again, as I said a moment ago, and you've picked a number that is under 1,000, and I don't know that they're going to have a 1,000-yard receiver, but I will go under 910. I 
I just think that uh, I have more faith that the Giants will be much more effective running the ball, and I appreciate your thinking that they're going to have to come from behind a lot because the D won't hold people down. Well, I'm not sure come from behind. I just think keep pace with other teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that, but one of the ways you do that is to slow down the pace by pounding the ball on the ground. And so I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna have any of the Giants receivers probably going over 900 yards. Lance, I would agree. I think it's going to be a spread the wealth mentality. I've said that because once again we're operating under the idea that everybody is going to be healthy mm-hmm. for the most mm-hmm. part. So if you use that as your platform, then I think it's also going to be very challenging for one individual to get to 900. I do see Slayton, though, getting in that 800 receiving yard category. I don't think that's a stretch. Remember, he had 48 for 740 last year. If there's anybody that has the potential to lead the team in receiving yards per reception, it's Slayton. He had nearly 16 yards per catch last season. Yeah, 15.4. So, exactly. He's capable of having those big plays down the field. So even if he doesn't get a high number of receptions, he's still able to do a lot of damage that way. So I could see him reaching 800. I think 900 is asking a lot, so I'm going to go under. Well, I'm just doing the math here, folks. If he averages 15 yards per catch, and Paul, you think that's reasonable, right, for Slayton? 15 I do. Yards per catch? I do. Yeah, sure. So sure. If, if I think he's going to be over 61 and a half catches, I have to pick him over 910 that receiving yards, right? That, that is true. That's fair. So I'm, I'm going to have to go over here, and I believe he will lead the Giants – in receiving yards this year. I do think that will be the case. All right, let's go receiving touchdowns. Seven and a half is where we put this number. Last year, he had eight. Again, you expect him to be the big play receiver. Uh, I'm going to go under the seven and a half touchdowns for Slayton. I think he's going to get six or seven. Paul, how about you? Ooh, I will go under. I'm going to put him at five. Five? Okay, that's not many. Lance, how about you? Yeah, I could see him being in that six category, so I will go under as well. He had a dynamic rookie season. He was up there amongst rookie wide receivers leading the way with touchdowns. But once again, Evan Ingram, to me, is a red zone target. I think there's going to be opportunities maybe even for Caden Smith. Caden Smith, if they utilize double tight end sets in formation. So that's going to take away red zone opportunities and targets for Darius Slayton. I mean, I think that's just common sense. So to ask him to get back to eight again, I think would be pushing it. The Giants would welcome it, but once again, I don't think that's being realistic. I think he's more in that 6-7 category this coming season. Fair enough. Let's go to Golden Tate, folks. And this is interesting because much like I said, I think Slayton will lead the team in receiving yards. In my opinion, Tate is going to lead the team in receptions. That's why we gave him the highest over-under for number of receptions. We put it at 73 and a half. For da- for Golden Tate, 73 and a half. Lance, let's lead off with you. Well, I agree. I think Tate does have the potential to be the guy to lead the way in receptions. I think that he's proven that over the course of his career. Last year, he had 49. He did miss five games. Can he get into the 70s? Hmm, that's the million-dollar question. Health is certainly going to be a big part of that. I'll go slightly under. I think he's going to get in that 70-71 ballpark, which would put him right under the number that you said. Just by the way, for the record, Golden Tate has been ridiculously consistent over the course of his career. If you go back, you know, last year he had the the shortened season because of the the suspension. Uh, But I'm just going to go through the years before that very quickly. In 2018, he had 74, and that's only because he got traded to Philly midseason and started really slow there. Uh, He had 
92 the year before that, 91 the year before that, 90 the year before that, 99 the year before that, 64 the year before that. So he's been an extremely consistent receiver, Paul. Yeah, it's it's going to be something that uh, I, I don't think is going to stop anytime soon. I don't think he's anywhere near the end of his career yet. In fact, to be honest, when you John, we, we watch him every day. The guy's in great shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, he keeps himself, uh, you know, physically fit as if he was 25. And he's a pro. He's a pro. He, there's no question. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I see no reason why the production is going to suffer yet. I, I'm going to go over on this. Um, I just, uh, I think he's the one guy who I'm, I'm, I'm more leaning towards over on your numbers than the other, the other guys who could possibly be unders. Yeah, I'm telling you, I've watched, you know, I've been in the middle of doing this Daniel Jones project. And I've watched pretty much every one of his throws. And I know people get really excited about Slayton. I understand why he's a young player. Golden Tate was the best Giants wide receiver last year. I agree. He caught back shoulder catches, did a run after the catch. He ran every route you would imagine. He won deep. He won on slants. He went over the middle. He won outside. Golden Tate is still a really, really good player. So I'm with you, Paul. I'm going to go over. I think he'll finish somewhere between like 75 and 78. Somewhere in that area. Um, but how many receiving yards will he have? And I think that's interesting. We put the over-under for him at a flat 900. I will lead off here. I'm going to go under. I don't think he'll be a huge downfield threat. Over the course of his career, has usually been somewhere between 10 and 12-ish in terms of yards per reception. Last year, he was a little bit higher at 13.8. So even if he's at 11 and he gets to 78 catches, that'll still put him at around 875 or so yards, which is under 900. So I think he's going to have like a 78-catch, 875-yard type of year. So I'm going to go under the 900 receiving yards. Lance? Yeah, I'm going to go under, too. I mean, I said that he'd finish more in the 70 to 71 ballpark in terms of reception. So I think, therefore, he'd come in under 900. I don't think anyone on the team is going to get to 900 receiving yards. I think, once again, they're going Boy, to look Len for is, Len is going to be pissed at you, man. He is not going to be happy with you, Well, Lance. but the bottom line <laughs> is that conversation, again, that we had on Wednesday was more of a fantasy football conversation than a reality conversation. And, yes, from a fantasy football standpoint, you always want to see guys put up monster numbers but in order to win football games in the NFL I would disagree that you have to have a guy that has 950 to 1,000 receiving yards I think if you're balanced and you're telling the team that they have to account for multiple weapons like the Niners did who I brought up in that conversation it can be done this philosophy that you need one go-to guy and everybody else should just be the compliment I disagree I think teams are getting very creative so if Golden Tate finished with 890 as his total receiving yards that doesn't mean necessarily that the Giants can't have success this season. So, Lance, what you're telling me is that when we do our fantasy football draft in September, that I should not expect you to select any Giants wide receivers, is what you're telling me. Well, there may be one in particular, and there is one player, <laughs> but I wouldn't say that I would necessarily target all of them. I don't disagree with that sentiment. <laughs> Paulie, what do you think? You know, it's interesting on this one, John. If you look at uh, his yak yardage last year, he was right at about six yards uh, you know, after the catch, which is really nice. Well, he's been up there throughout his career. He's been one of the best guys in Yak. Always. And you know why? Because he finds space. He's really good at taking angles, and after he gets the ball, he knows how to wiggle around guys. He's a very wily and crafty receiver. He's not like the roadrunner. You know, he's he's just he's more cerebral in how he does it, and I really admire him. Technically 5.8 yards after catch per reception, so very, very good. 
It really is. And, see, that's what gives him a chance to break the 900 mark, but I think he'll come in just a tad under it. So uh, your number again was what, John? 900 flat. It's Yeah, I, it's probably going to be like 885 or something of that nature. All right, that was a clean sweep. It's the only one so far where everyone selected the same one. Everyone selected under uh, for Golden Tate 900 receiving yards. Paulie, let's go to you. Touchdowns. We put Golden Tate at five and a half. Now, you want to talk about consistency? Yeah. Here's Golden Tate's touchdown totals over the last. I'm going to count backwards from last year in his career. Six, four, five, four, six, four, five, seven. So he's been between four and seven pretty much every year of his career where he's played a significant role in his offense. Paul, what do you think? Five and a half. I'm, uh, I'm going to go under at five. I, again, I think the Giants are going to get a lot more rushing touchdowns this year than passing. And so if there are fewer receiving touchdowns to go around, I will say it'll be under. I'm going to go over here. I think he's going to get around six. Lance? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm going to go over because I could actually see him hitting exactly what he did this past season, which is six. Tate, because of his ability for yak, he has the capacity to get into the end zone on his own where he doesn't necessarily need to rely on a mm-hmm. big-time lengthy Catch. Remember that play that he made against the Patriots in that ugly game on Thursday night football. He was the one that deflected it to himself and remember ran into the end zone off of the Daniel Jones pass. So I think Golden Tate is very creative. He's savvy and I could see him getting to six. I think he has a more higher ceiling in terms of finding the end zone than maybe Sladen, who would depend a little bit more on the deep ball. So I'll go with six. Can I add a non-stat comment here, John? No. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> Unfortunate for us I, all. I loved Golden Tate when he came out of Notre Dame. But but when he was drafted by Seattle and he played there for the first several years of his career, he was just one of another guy. You know, on their team, he wasn't like a star. He was just kind of like a guy who was part of a complimentary mix of receivers. Then he put up big numbers in Detroit, but it's the Lions. You know, and, and it just like... I didn't appreciate him nearly as much as I did until last season when he got to the Giants and we got to watch this guy every single weekend. He's one of those guys who you really grow to love him the more you get to watch him on a consistent basis. Well, remember, in Detroit, he, I think, overlapped, I believe, with Calvin Johnson for a few seasons. Yep. So he was in the shadows of him. And to your point, the Lions weren't necessarily winning consistently, so they were playing a lot of catch up so I think a lot of those guys compiled stats not to take anything away from their talent and they weren't necessarily a team that was showcased much in prime time so I think it's very easy for Golden Tate to go overlooked and remember when he was in Seattle the Seahawks with Russell Wilson were never a team that had star-studded wide receivers they leaned on beast mode they leaned on Russell Wilson making plays with his legs and creating after things broke down so he never really was put in a spot to your point Paul where he was the premier guy and mm-hmm. all eyes were on him. And I think right now, he's sort of in his element because I would argue he's not the guy with the Giants. He's surrounded by a lot of talent, but he quietly still finds ways to make plays. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. He's really good. All right, I have tight end over-unders ready, but we do a phone call on the line. I want to get to them, and then we'll get back to our over-unders here. Let's go to the call. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Is this me? Yes, it is you, caller. We only have one line, so you're it. I didn't know you had one. This is Tim in Florida. Tim, what's on your mind, pal? Not much. This question is mostly for Paul because I just respect him a little more. 
than the other two. Um, my <laughs> friend Justin. Wait, Tim, 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 Tim. By the way, that is a real easy way to get hung up on real fast. Yeah. <laughs> you want to? Okay. Okay. Seriously, seriously. Yeah. You want to insult two of the three people that's hosting the show? And I didn't insult him. I said I respect him more. You don't respect. Oh, you don't have a parent. You respect more than the other. No, no. I don't have a parent. I respect my parents equally. Yes, and that's, that's the most correct. ridiculous statement that I've ever heard. Well, Which means you have no credibility I, as a phone call. You should just let him go, John. There's no point. That you I'll let him ask the question. Go ahead, Tim. All right. So what do you? What do you? Paul, Thanks what for do you apologizing, of, by uh, the way. Oh, I, I didn't apologize. Um, Paul, what do you think of uh, Jake Fromm up in Buffalo? Jake Fromm? I think Jake Fromm, to me, is a professional quarterback in terms of his maturity, in terms of his mental approach to the game, his leadership skills, his poise. There's a lot of intangibles that I really, really like about Jake Fromm. However, I do have concerns about the arm strength. I do have concerns about his durability and his size uh, at this level. I think Jake Fromm is going to be a really terrific backup who could probably start for some weaker teams, but I don't see him as a as a guy, so to speak, you know, as the man on a good franchise. I think I think my cohorts probably feel the same way. Well, I, I thanks. I just wanted to know because you know Andrew, the Andrew Thomas connection, and I don't know. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Oh, no, he's Paul. look, he's got he's got some NFL capabilities, but. If you're looking for a franchise, quote, quarterback, look, I, I thought to me he was like a fourth-round pick, maybe as high as a possibly a third, but he's not the kind of guy you're drafting to be your next starting QB. Well, given he doesn't really respect it, Lance and I have to say, I'm not going to add to that at all. Lance, do you? Well, it's a Buffalo Bills quarterback, so it's really irrelevant when it comes to the Giants conversation. 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. Paul, is that a relative of yours? No. No, no, that's why I have I'm first, just kidding. I, I thought it was a setup, to be perfectly no, so honest. No, so did I. I was waiting for the punchline. So was I. That's why I chuckled. I really thought it was a setup. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we got to have fun. It's okay. No, we don't, it's we don't so take cool. it seriously. Um, by the way, hashtag Giants Chat 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. All right, guys, let's go to the tight ends here. I got Evan Ingram. Me and Jeff, you know... We thought long and hard about this, and Jeff is on the Evan Ingram train this year. He selected over on all of these. So we're going to start with receptions, and he made me push this one up. So we have it at 59.5 for Evan Ingram this year. His three years with the Giants, he had 64 catches in 15 games as a rookie. He had 45 catches in 11 games as a sophomore or a second-year player. And then he had 44 catches in eight games in 2019. Lance, why don't we start with you? We're talking about Evan Ingram, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure because there was so much that was going on over the last few minutes. Okay, over under Jake Fromm completions. Yeah. Well, that's why I was focusing on Jake Fromm statistics, so I was a little distracted. Lance, I'm would sorry. you rather have Caden Smith as an option? No, I just was Caden Smith next. bottled up by Jake Fromm stats in my head. I was okay. trying to determine what I think he's going to do from the sidelines with a clipboard in Buffalo next season. Evan Ingram, 59 and a half receptions, over or under? Well, he was on pace for a ridiculous amount of stats last season. 88 and I, catches. Yeah, and I thought, <laughs> assuming he'd stay at least relatively healthy, he was going to have a career year. My feelings haven't changed. I think if he stays healthy, he certainly is capable of a career year. So I'm going to go with the premise that this may be the year where he finally stays away from the injury bug, and I'm going to go over 59 this year. Okay, Paulie. 
You know, if he goes over 59, that's going to bode well for the Giants. I really believe that because, number one, it means he stayed healthy. And, number two, it means that Daniel Jones was able to find him enough of times where they spread the ball around and he got a lot of clutch catches. Well, and within this offense, I think it is doable. I absolutely believe it's doable. The question is, are you willing to bet on his health? My goodness, the resume says you cannot. So I will go under. Here's how I look at it, guys. If he plays 16 games, all he needs to do is average four catches a game to go over 59 and a half. That, to Paul's point, that's a gimme, right? Mm-hmm. That's easy. Let's say he plays 12 games. Can he average five catches per game? I don't think that's asking for much. I think he can. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Lance and Jeff. I'm going to go over for Ingram at 59 and a half. Paul, that, let's go to you. I'm sorry, you have something you want to add? No, you I, I, was, I was simply going to say, John, I, I agree with everything that you just said there. I just, well, something's telling me right now that, that coming off that foot injury, it's not necessarily a great bet to say he's going to be healthy enough. Well, that's the it. thing. Look, if he plays 12 games, I think I'm in good shape. If he plays eight, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think this is kind of how it goes. Um, and, you know, feet injuries are, are tough. You don't know how guys come back from those. Sometimes there's recurrences. You just don't know. So. Well, here, well remember, he's also had issues with the knee, too. It's not just the yeah, foot. Well, yeah. yeah. And here's the thing to keep in mind. I think the Giants really do believe what they saw in Caden Smith last year. And I know you want to get to him next, John, because if, if um, um, Ingram is gippy at all, if he is not 100%, to me, the Giants should show no hesitation at making Caden Smith the featured tight end if Ingram is not 100% and can't give them what they want. Caden Smith has proven to me that he can be a capable receiving tight end. All right, let's go to receiving yards. Paul, we'll start with you here. We went with 715 receiving yards, 715. He eclipsed that as a rookie with 722. Yeah. Um, it's a big number. Jeff went over. Uh, if he catches 60 balls, he'd have to average around 12 yards per catch, which is where he was two years ago in order to, to, to break that 715 mark. I'm going to go under here for receiving yards. Yeah, I'll go under with you as well, John, again, uh, without guaranteeing he's going to be able to last the season. I just can't go over. Now, lads, you are over on the reception, so you going over here too? Well, by going over, remember, that is a very open-ended number. I didn't give an exact number. I mean, I could certainly see him finishing in the 60s. So based on the math that you just did, it's not crazy to then take the under in terms of the receiving yards. I'll go slightly under in terms of the receiving yards. Okay, we all went under. Jeff went over. And finally, we'll go touchdowns. Lance, back to you. Five and a half touchdowns for Evan Ingram. He had six as a rookie, three in each of the last two years. What's your prediction, Mr. Meadow, for 2020? See, I could see him coming in at five. So I'm probably going to lean towards the under here. Once again, he, to me, could be a very big red zone target. He could be the Jason Witten of this Giants offense. I don't think that's asking for too much. But once again, we talked about there's a lot of other weapons, and I don't think Daniel Jones is necessarily going to favor one guy in particular. So I'll go slightly under. I think he comes in at five. I think this is right on the mark. I'm with you, Lance. I'll go slightly over. My early season predictions that he would lead the team in receiving touchdowns. So I will stick with that. And I will go under. Uh, it's just, again, um, I just can't I can't see it, man, because uh, until he proves to me, and I think the Giants, even though they picked up his fifth-year option, I think they also have to believe it's a wait-and-see thing as to what Ingram's potential and future is going to be. 
Okay, so we got two overs and two unders for touchdowns. All right, we'll get to Caden Smith in a second, but first we have another caller on the line. Caller, you're on with John Lance and Paul. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Charlie, and I just want to let you from Portland, Maine, and I just want to let you know I respect you all the same. Not much at all, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Charlie, I wish the feeling was mutual on Lance's end, but I have a feeling it's not. (laughs) I've used up all my respect. (laughs) Hey, uh, I don't... I I just think that you know you guys are talking about the wide receivers there. Is that I just I you know just because there's so many injury issues, I just think we're going to have some of these guys, these undrafted free agents. I think one or one or two of them are going to uh, end up with thirty, forty catches. So I think it's going to be split between a bunch of guys. I don't think we're going to have one guy just. Be the man, which I wish we did, but I just don't think we have that on this team. Well, look, Charlie, uh, here, here's one way to look at it, and I guess I should have done this before we started. Last year, Daniel Jones had 284 completions, right? So right. if you want to move that from 12 to 16 games, you want to put him at 350 as a raw number? So the question is yeah. how you get to 350. You know, how, how do you right. get there? How much is it spread out? Yeah, and, and the thing is, we might run more this year. That's true. We might not even get to 350. No, we might not. You know what I'm saying? You know, because uh, especially if our offensive line can actually run block and uh, we might, and Barkley, you know, stays healthy, I think uh, we might be doing a lot more running than passing. So those numbers might go down. So the wide receivers' numbers are going to be so spread out that. If we have somebody with uh, 60, that's going to be, to me, is going to be high. You know, I think we're going to have a lot of guys, 30, 40, 50, 60 catches type of thing. Well, Charlie, so, how about this? I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think sure. that Who do you think that fourth wide receiver is going to be that has the fourth most receptions amongst the wide receivers on the roster? And I'm going to pose that question to Lance and Paul, too. Well, I, I, you know, because I, I, I haven't seen these guys. I've just seen some college tapes. But I think uh, Victor or Mac, I think one of those two could really uh, get those extra, um, you know, uh, catches and be 40, 40, uh, 40 45 catches. Um, Lance, Paul, what do you think? Guys, who, who, well, who, I would who do you go think that fourth guy is going to be? I think it's going to be Corey Coleman. Yep. And I look at him as having a comeback campaign, assuming, of course, he stays healthy. Yeah, high, high hopes last season, unfortunately, went down on the first day of training camp. If Coleman's healthy, Coleman could easily be that guy that gets about 25 to 30 catches. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, again, well, with the many- injury situation, I don't know how much Coleman's going to play, but if he's going to be a reserve on the depth chart who only plays in obvious passing situations, he might be able to actually get through the season. And if so, he's got certainly got the ability to make big plays. Absolutely, I does. think one sleeper is David Sills. You know, he's a guy that was an undrafted oh, free agent yeah. last right. year. He was on the practice squad. He's a bigger guy at 6'3". He can kind of be that possession receiver. And then he can play inside or outside. He can be kind of one of those big inside slot guys, kind of like the Jason Avant type of receiver who played for the Eagles, you know, uh, 10 years ago, give or take. So I think those are the guys in the mix, Charlie. I do worry. I worry about the drafted players, too, that how much of an impact some of these skill position rookies this year are going to be able to have, especially earlier in the year, because of this offseason. Well, how many, I mean, Coleman, hasn't he had two ACL injuries? 
Well, I know he went down last year, but he was he went down the year before, wasn't that an? ACL well, he had a broken too? thumb one year with Cleveland, yeah, he had and I think he had issues. a broken wrist. I want to say yeah. another oh, okay. year. I don't think he had a major leg injury before okay. last year. I could check right. it though. I don't think he did. Well, see, that's the thing that's so like the big question mark. We have so many players that have been injury prone on wide receivers. We got Shepard with one concussion. You know, he'll be gone. We've got yeah, but- Coleman, who hasn't been able to stay on the field. we got Ingram. Well, he's a tight end, but he, he can't stay on the field. So those are three guys, if they're actually healthy and play 16 games, then, yeah, those three guys could get a lot of receptions. But for me, I can just like Paul said, I can't, until I actually see him on the field and actually play a bunch of games, I just don't I, – that's why I think it's going to be spread around. I think somebody's going to get 20, someone's going to get 30, someone's going to get 40 receptions, and it's going to be three or four guys. Dylan, the guy from L, LSU, this guy could be, you know, the Coleman now, you know. He's that type of guy, I think. Well, you know, Coleman Charlie, to be perfectly honest with you, all the guys you named, that's fine, but who's to say that Barkley doesn't wind up catching 75 or 80 balls himself? And he's that's not true. even a receiver. I know. But and I think Dion he's going to be too busy running the ball. I think he's going to be too busy running the ball. But, uh, hey, guys, have a great weekend, and uh, all respect. <laughs> nah. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call, my Bye. friend. Uh, boy. It was two hand injuries for uh, Corey yeah. Coleman with Cleveland, as he's I mentioned. He's had hamstrings, too, over his career a couple of times. Yeah, right, but nothing structurally no. serious. No. That's correct. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the most he's the easiest guy and the most likely to be that fourth guy and maybe be a bit of a deep threat with his with his general speed. So I'm with you. He was having a good spring last year. I can't even say campus. He didn't really make it through camp. He got hurt, I think what was the yeah. second practice, Paul, the first practice, something I like know, that. I know, but but John, I tell you, what he did show the Giants when he was able to play prior to that, I think he is a quality ball player. Hey, look, I like him. There's a reason he was a first round pick. Yeah. The question is can he look we know we always know he know noted that he has talent, right? So it's not surprised that he flashed at times. The question is, can he put it all together? Yeah, Stay he healthy. had two very good seasons at Cleveland. Unfortunately, they were constantly interrupted by injuries. So, you know, when he had his opportunity with the Giants, he proved to be that complimentary weapon. The problem is you don't have the longevity to go by. But I look at this exercise as I don't think anybody goes into a season, an executive, a player, saying – we're hoping he's going to play 10 games. So we all have to at least enter this season thinking guys are going to stay healthy. Is it probably going to happen? No. Injuries are just the nature of the beast. But I'm not going in saying, I think this guy's going to play 13 games. I think this guy's going to play 11. I'm going in thinking what these guys could potentially do if they stay fully healthy. That's at least my mindset. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a good way to look at it. 973-667-1960. We have another caller on the line. Let's go to him right now. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Joe and PA. Joe, what's up, man? Hey, hey, hey respect you guys too. Uh, <laughs> you know, you do a great job. That's all. You Thank know you, what Joe. I mean? We all I bust one another now and then. No, I, so, I appreciate uh, it, Joe. Do you understand? Lance and I are from Brooklyn. When you start telling people you don't respect them, that's that's not a cool thing to say. Yeah, I I didn't know how to take that caller either. There, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, I do. Uh, yes. Uh, no, but I I have to say one thing on that. I think. I think Paul gets busted the most, so I did like that in a way. Hey, look, you you can you can bust around about silly stuff all you want. When you start getting serious about things, then then you know. Okay, all I want to bring up here, I seen on the 
on uh, it was on NFL Today. They were showing uh, Tom Brady working out with some of his receivers and that in in Tampa Bay and, and the tight ends and that. And I also see Zico Elliott said he had it and he's getting over it. And I just wondering how you guys feel about it in a way. You know what I mean? You don't know how to take this or not. If we should should all get get it and try to get it done with this summer and proceed, I I don't know what your feelings are on that. Well, again, we, Joe, we aren't doctors, so we're going to be very cautious in how we address this. Obviously, the goal is to never get it at all, and well, that that, well, that that's your number one goal. And just it's a different sport, but I think it's significant to bring up. Adrian Wojnarowski reported earlier today that of the 302 NBA players that have been tested for COVID-19, 16 um, were yeah, 16 positive, players. which is around a, I think, 6% rate, which is about what the U.S. average is for um, percent infected per tests. So it was in line with what the rest of the country is. And look, the goal is, is, is to not get it all. And if you take the proper precautions, and you hope everyone does, yeah. and, and it'll help everybody, you take the I, proper precautions. Yeah, I, I just looking at it, it, you don't know, like, because if they come with the vaccine later and you get it, that that's great because you don't know how it's going to hit you. It could hit you and kill you, you know, I guess, really. No, and, well, that's the other thing, too, Joe. You don't you don't know how it's going to affect your individual. You know, they some people think there might be long-term complications with people who pick up the disease. There are so yeah. many things we don't know yet about this thing because it's so new that it's it's— the best thing you can do is not get it. And how about we stick with that plan? Yeah. Well, and the other I, thing, I, we, we I, can all I, agree. I was just being a jealous, like, Ezekiel gets it and he's done with it and he he's fine and then some of our players get it. You know what I mean? So. No, Joe, yeah, look, but, hey, look, here's the thing. If you can guarantee that there's right. going to be no, like, serious symptoms or long-term consequences, give it to everybody. That's fine. Unfortunately, right, that's not the world right. we're living in. Well, ahead, and the Lance. other thing that we can't prove right now is also if you can't get it again, Joe. That's You're operating too. under once an individual gets yep. it, there's no way that they could get it right. again, and that has yet to be proven, too. And again, they haven't proven that you can or can't. It's another thing Correct. we don't know. Correct, so that's another unknown. And you also have to understand, these players are going home with family members. Yeah. If the philosophy would be to give it to everybody, they're there and exposing their loved ones, and everybody yeah. handles this virus very differently. Good point, yeah, Lance. I, I was a little jealous I hear Daniel's throwing the football with his dad and mom, and Brady's working out with these guys. So thanks for taking my now, call. Now, Joe, by the way, if you want to feel better about it, Daniel Jones was down at Austin throwing to Giants players. So they are getting some work in. Okay, great. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Good to hear from you, my friend. Stay safe. And, you know, I've heard people talk about that. And, yeah, you know, for most people, guys, they're NFL age. You're not going to have a lot of symptoms. You're not going to have a lot of complications and, and all that, which is great. But, you know, you listen to Von Miller talking about it. You know, he said it took him a while to get over it, and it hit him pretty hard. So it all depends on the individual. So the best thing you can do is take the precautions you can, you know, wear a mask, socially distance, do all the really simple and easy things that everybody should be able to do. Don't crowd indoors. There are really simple things for this, guys, to just try to keep the case number down as much as possible. It's going to take self-discipline by everybody. Yeah. For things to go extremely smoothly for any sport. I have always said this when you talk about college, maybe more so than the professional realm, the season is in the hands of the players. If the players are going to be willing to sacrifice socializing and doing some of the things that come with the college experience, then they're going to ensure themselves an opportunity again on the field. 
Same thing with the professionals. If they can make those sacrifices, things should be okay and manageable. If these individuals are not willing to make these sacrifices, then who knows what's going to happen. You know, I think Governor Murphy of New Jersey has done a really good job with this thing. And and one of the things that I like that he says an awful lot, in fact, I, I believe it's almost every day at his news conference, when he says, look, thank you to everybody who is being responsible and mindful. Don't be one of the few knuckleheads who's going to screw it up. Yeah. And that's right. And, and guys, by the way, that goes to everybody. If you want to have a football season here, guys, and you want to watch football, you want to watch baseball, you want to watch basketball, you want sports to be back, you want to be able to send your kids back to school, you want to do all these things that are, you know, close to normal with, you know, precautions on top of them, just be careful and be cautious. And that helps everybody. You know what I mean? Anyway. I uh, don't want to get too far into that rabbit hole. But uh, let's do Caden Smith here, guys. We touched on everybody else. So Caden Smith is interesting. So when we built these over-unders, you had to consider, all right, what if he's just a number two tight end? What if he's a starting against <laughs> Evan Ingram? So it was really difficult to do. It, so it, This is, yeah. I tried to kind of, you know, slice the melon in half here and, and, oh. and try to get a little bit of both ways. So for receptions for Caden Smith, we set his over-under at 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Paul, let's start with you because I know you are uh, one of the charter members of the Caden Smith fan club. Yeah, he really <laughs> impressed me a lot last year. And quite honestly, John, if I'm going to bank a lot of what I'm answering today on Ingram not making the full season, and by the way, I hope that he does. Let me make something clear to every fan out there. I hope Evan Ingram is healthy for 16 games and has a terrific stat line. I just can't bet on that. So I'm going to go Caden Smith over because I do think he's going to see a significant amount of time. And because the tight end is a favorite target in the Garrett system, uh, I I have to go over 35. Lance, or how about you? I think that was the number you picked. It was. Yeah, I think 35 is a really good number because he had 31 last year. If you look at a means of comparison, Blake Jarwin who was with Jason Wynn, and he had 31. Mm-hmm. And I see Caden Smith having that Blake Jarwin-esque type of role. Now, remember, so, with um, once Ingram again, hurt, very torn. And sorry, Lance, don't mean to interrupt you. With Ingram hurt and then Red Ellison had the concussion, Caden Smith was the number one primary tight end yeah. for, what, the final four games last year? Maybe even five games? Something Maybe like even that? longer than that, yeah. yeah I mean, look, I think I have it right here. Hold on, I can tell you exactly what it was. Yeah, but is it fair to say, John, that Caden Smith opened a lot of eyes and probably earned the opportunity to, to whittle in some more plays? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's true, too. Caden Smith last year played in nine games. He started six of them. And he proved that he's a very effective blocker. Let's not forget about that. I yeah. know we're having a conversation about offensive stats, but no, blocking if you want to put him on, him the, on field. the field for yeah. blocking, mm-hmm. it does. I would be confident in putting him out there. So that's why I think 35 is a good number. I would say he could come in at about like 36 or 37. I'll go slightly over. Uh, I'm going to go slightly under. I think he'll be around 33 or 34. Yards, Paulie Dots. Now, he's not going to be a downfield tight end. No. no. So we went 300 receiving yards. 300 receiving yards. Last year he averaged 8.6 yards per reception. Yeah, and I was just going to say I could see him averaging just under 10 a pop. Uh, I I actually think he's going to be closer to 40 to 45 catches. Oh, then you got to go over here. So I have to. I'm going to go slightly under. Lance? I'm going to go slightly over because I could see him coming in at 320, 330. Interesting. All right, so me and Feegs both under on those. You guys both over. Touchdowns. Now, this is tricky 
Yes. Because no one loves to catch, you know, play action tight end, play action pass catches from the two yard line when everyone's looking at Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. than the second tight end. These guys gobble up touchdown catches. It drives people in fantasy football nuts because they're throwing touchdowns to Caden Smith. Sorry, Lance Meadow. Last year he had three. We set his over under this year at three and a half. Paul? Over. I think it's going to be at least five. Could be six. Whoa. Whoa. Yep. Okay, Lance, how about you? I'm going to go under. I think he could match what he did last season. Remember, if Engram and Smith are on the field at the same time, they're going to have to split that type of production. Daniel Jones can't go to one guy all the time. So I see them actually balancing each other. So, you know, to me, if we talked about Evan with five, Caden Smith three, tight ends account for about eight touchdowns, I think that's realistic. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go slightly under. I think he finishes with three. I think that's where he'll land. Would it surprise me if he got to four? Wouldn't? I think six is pushing it. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think it could be too. But again, I have to be consistent here. If, of course. If you brought up Ingram first, and if I'm going to go right through the entire gauntlet, considering his lack of playing time because of injury, then I have to inflate Smith's numbers across the board to be fair. No question about it. All right, let's go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? You're on with John Lancet, Paul. How are you? Hey, fellas, this is uh, Jake from Rochester. Jake, what's up, pal? What's on your mind? Hey, so uh, first of all, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. Um, Thanks for listening. It's really helped to get through. Um, Feegs, you're the man. I'm 26 years old, so I've been able to watch you when I was growing up. Feegs is a good Um, man. Yes, he is. Uh, So my question, um, it's about a a trade. Um, Do you have any kind of under-the-radar or even big splash trade that you guys would like to see, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe or really a, a center or anything like that. So I'll take a call off the air. I appreciate it. No, thank you, Jake. I appreciate the call. Um, I think if a trade was going to happen in the offseason, would have happened by now. So I think the next trade, and, and you're going to be mad, Jake, because I'm not going to give you a player here. Maybe Lance and Paul will. But – if you're going to see a trade, if you go back, guys, to when the Giants traded Brett Jones a couple years ago and you get to, like, late August and the team's like, I have a couple guys that I think can really start at this spot. Maybe we can try to use excess at one position to get a player at another. Maybe that's the type of trade the Giants can try to make if they see another team that has an extra center or an extra pass rusher that they're willing to move for a position that the Giants have extra guys at, maybe like an interior defensive lineman like a B.J. Hill, somebody like that. Um, or, you know, take any of those guys on the interior defensive line. You know, maybe that could be a mix, uh, a match at some point. But I think it's really hard at this point in the year to pinpoint a player that the Giants could try to target in a trade. John, I'm going to give you a twofold answer here. Number one, I don't think there are going to be too many GMs who are going to want to bring guys in from the outside. I think there's going to be a lot of For trepidation. Yeah, For, I really do. That's a good point. Um, I so I think they are going to be very very leery about pulling the trigger to bring somebody in from another organization. That's number one. This this virus is just creating all kinds of circumstances and questions that nobody ever could have imagined before in our lifetime. Number two, if you are going to make a deal, and you did a really good job uh, of bringing up uh, the lineman that the Giants sent to Minnesota a couple of uh, minutes ago in Brett Jones. Well, what was that deal? It was for a third-day draft choice. Right. I think that's the kind of trade, if you're going to make one, and I don't think there are going to be any, 
if you're going to make one, that's the kind of deal you would you would going to see. Which, by the way, Gettleman loves to make trades too. It's something that he does. Yes. So, hopefully, that's not the case. Well, and remember, that was a deal that was done when you have to cut down your roster to 53, and you don't want to lose a guy for nothing, so you see if you get something in return. Another example would be, interestingly, you brought the Vikings. Remember, Sam Bradford was traded to Minnesota from Philly right before the season started because Teddy Bridgewater got hurt that training camp, and they had drafted Carson Wentz, who looked good in camp. So, you know, that's what really triggers moves, and I could see a move being made, but I would agree with Paul. I don't see a lot of splashes. I think GMs, right? now have spoken to their coaches. I think teams want to work with what they have, specifically the Giants who have a relatively young roster. I think they want to try to develop these guys. I don't think they're looking to eat up cap space by absorbing somebody who perhaps not only do they have to give up assets because you brought up Yannick Ngakwe, you also have to work out a new contract with Ngakwe. Remember, there's two things you have to take care of. And the other thing that I don't think has been brought up enough, guys, we don't know what type of an impact this offseason or what's ever going to happen in the regular season is going to have on the salary cap. There's a chance the salary cap could actually go down next year oh, yeah. sure. and not go up. For sure. So my point is, I don't think there's a lot of executives that are itching to give out mega contracts. Notice there hasn't been a lot of extensions given out this offseason. <laughs> and you know, you've heard a lot of speculation about Jamal Adams wants to get out of the situation with the Jets. Well, I don't think teams want to lock up players if A, they haven't seen them on the field, and B, they don't know what the salary cap is going to look like next season. So trades and the salary Salary cap go hand in hand. So that's why I would also lean towards, I'd be very surprised by a splash. I think if there's going to be moves, they'll be minor, and they're going to be right around when teams are trying to finalize 53-man rosters and may have suffered a last-second injury, and their only response is they may want to grab the second defensive lineman or the third tight end on somebody's depth chart. Yeah. Let's throw another log onto that fire, too, in terms of not making a deal. They're talking about expanding the practice squads Mm. to maybe 16. Good point. Which gives you extra depth inside your own building. You know, play with the devil you know as opposed to the one that you're going to see from the outside. So that's, to me, another factor. And then on top of that, now, John and Lance, maybe you guys have heard some more of an update on this. There's even been some talk as they expand those practice squads, they will allow a couple of veteran exceptions as well. Well, they've done that in the past, so well, I don't think those rules are going to change. No, I they've think they're going to loosen them a little bit, though, Lance. Well, if you add spots, from what I've heard, like let's say you double the size, right? Maybe you'll add the same number of veteran exceptions you had before. That's possible. Well, I because be usually surprised. there's two, so maybe they go to four. Right. I haven't heard any specifics, I think but they're going to at least John's three. logic, it is possible. I think it's going to be at least three, Lance. As, so as you expand the veteran exceptions, it makes it even less likely you're going to make a trade elsewhere. I want to throw a log on that salary cap thing that Lance mentioned, but we have one more caller I want to get in before we say goodbye, so let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hey, Len. Hey, Len. hey guys. Um, if Daniel throws the ball 600 times... Right. Which I don't think is, you know, asking asking too much or predicting too much. Well, and I can tell you, last year in 12 games, just, just so we do the math, last year in 12 games, Jones threw the ball 459 times. So if you want to increase that by 25%, you're looking at around 575 or so pass attempts. Okay. And for reference, Tony Romo only threw the ball 600 times once in his entire career. Well, and Dak last season threw 596. So I think so you're looking at between right five, I think around 575, I think, is a fair number. Yeah. And I think Eli, Eli threw pretty close to 600 the year before that. Well, so, uh, okay. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> Not much of a running game in the number right, of the years Eli right, was here. Well, I, I just want to deal with your over-unders on the wide receivers. 
if he throws the ball 600 times and Daniel completes 62.5, and I think that's about where you came down on, on over-under for Daniel, that, that's 375 receptions. Do your numbers add up to three? I mean, who gets the 375? Well, he, he was, well, I, I had him at 350 completions, Len, because if you take okay. his 284 last year okay. and you increase it by 25% to get the 16 games, you get the 350, right? So right. I actually did this for you because I knew you were going to call about this, so I was ready <laughs> with it. So the, 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 these, these were our over-under numbers, okay? You had Barkley at 66.5, Tate at 73.5. That's 140, right? right. Slayton at 61.5, that gets you to 201. Shepard at 65.5, that gets you to 266. Ingram at 59.5, that gets you to about 316. Okay. And then Smith at 35, that gets you to around 350. Okay. Well, of course, there's, I mean, then you got, you know, you got Coleman, um, Lewis, yeah, those and, other and so forth. Pieces. I mean, you have yep. to account for those guys, yep. too, catching. If you, if you combine them all and we get 40 catches out of those guys, um, you know, it takes away it takes away from the other guys. I, I guess where I'm leading on this, and I, I know Lance and I got into this the other day. Um, I, I, it, it, my my way of thinking on this: if we don't have a wide receiver catching somewhere between, hang on to your hat, Lance, catching somewhere between 75 and 80 passes next year, or, or this year, excuse me, we're we're going wide receiver in the first round. Well, and, Len, it's going, I, I and it's going to be and it's going to be a high pick. Well, Len, frankly, I think whether or not somebody does that or not, you know, Golden Tate is getting on in years. His contract allows him if the Giants go. want to move on, they can. There you go. I think you're looking at a high pick for a wide receiver, no matter what happens this year, as a potential in next year's draft. Okay, could be, could be. I, I I would go along with that, John. But I just think the key thing is one of these guys, and I I think it's Slayton. I mean, I'm just counting on Slayton being the guy. Maybe I'm thinking too much here or expecting too much from the guy. But this is the guy I expect to break out and be Daniel's main guy. And I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking for 75 to 80 receptions from out of, uh, you know, out of Slayton. But, hey, that was, that was a fun exercise that you guys went through. It took you three and a half weeks, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Len. Hey, listen, you guys yeah. have a great weekend. Hey, you too, buddy. Appreciate right. the call. I actually did that math for Len. So it actually got us around where That's I thought good. he would get. In terms of number of uh, completions. So I thought it probably means that we pick pretty good numbers for the over-unders, right? I think the guy with the best chance to get between 75 and 80 catches is Tate. I agree. By the way, the uh, the practice squad rules, apparently starting in 2022, they're going to increase the practice squad to 14, and you will be allowed four players. So that doubles the previous rule. Who yeah, have yeah. any number of accrued seasons, but that doesn't begin until 2021. I thought I heard that this year they were going to allow up to three of those, but maybe not. Hey, I, I would, it's Paul, all fluid. Look, I would not be surprised. In order to make this work, I think everyone, and I've said this before, is going to have to be very flexible in how they handle this season. So I think, look, the Players Association is going to be on board for it. It means more guys has jobs, right? And if it's going to help the NFL to give them a better chance of playing more games, that's great too. The other funny thing, if you think about it, you know, the more players you put in there, the tougher it is to socially distance in these facilities, too. I mean, you you physically run out of space in these locker rooms. Just, John, they're not big enough. I'm glad you said that because one of the guys mentioned on television the other day, and I forget which one of the sports channels it was, they were curious as to how many teams will actually bring their full complement of players to training camp because of what you just said. 
Maybe they don't want 90 guys coming coming to training camp because my, that means more guys can get sick. My guess, they'll have an, an, exul, an auxiliary locker room area. Yeah, they're going to have to. Yeah, they have to. I mean, because I if you it. know they put those extra rows of lockers in the middle of the existing locker room and you can't social distance if you have that middle row with all those players, I think they're going to have to come up with another room, most of these teams, to accommodate, at least during camp. Remember, once the season starts, you can at least have a little bit more flexibility, even though if the practice squad goes up, we're still looking at about 70 guys who are going to have to use the locker room, though, during the course of the season. So, And that's still a relatively big number. Yeah, well, is. look, as long as they're getting into reconfiguring the facility, John, get, get ownership to give us a broadcast wing down there, will you? <laughs> yes, I believe. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's their biggest priority, right? I now. believe on the level of the totem pole. I believe we are <laughs> underground with that. Yeah. So I, I would. Not you can head there and start digging yeah. yourself, Paul. <laughs> okay, Paul. Paul will be trying to bang one of those pylons into the yeah. swamp to hold yes. up another part of the building. And when they yes. ban you from entering the building, then you'll know why. Yeah, okay. exactly. As a result, right. but I one other thing that I wanted to add, real quick, in yeah. terms of the practice squad mm-hmm. that Paul brought up. Remember. You have to make the waivers first, then you sign guys to the practice squad. So I agree with the fact that you may have the opportunity to keep mm. some more guys, but Good they're still going to have to go through the normal waiver process, which means you could lose a few guys here or there no, I'm once they go through that. Teams might want to keep more guys in their practice squad than know their systems. So they can be I more readily so too. available. Absolutely. So yeah. it's curious. Yeah, I think these are all great points. I, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. I know we're a little over here. We only have five minutes, but I'm going to make the mistake and bring this up anyway. Uh, I'm going to go back to Lance's point, guys, about the salary cap. And I think that's going to make it really interesting with these guys that get franchised. Because, you know, if you get franchised this year, you know, if you get franchised a second time, it doesn't get recalculated by a percentage of the cap. You automatically get a percentage raise off the first time you got franchised. So for a guy like Dak Prescott, for example, you guys talked about this earlier in the week. You know, if he gets he got his $31.5 million franchise tag, right? And Jeff and I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I had forgotten. I figured, all right, the second time he gets franchised, maybe the tag's gonna go down a little bit because it's a percentage of the cap. But he actually gets an automatic raise off yes. of the first time he was tagged. Yes. So that's not going to happen. So that's going to be really interesting for teams next year that are looking at a second time franchising a player because it's not going to be connected to the salary cap, and that could really play haywire with how teams are going to handle it. So, you know, teams next year might not have a whole lot of cap space. To Lance's point, if the cap does in fact go down, and if some of these players are looking for that much more money, you know, maybe sign extension now actually makes sense because you're not going to be dealing in a depressed market next year. And teams don't want to, you know, have big numbers on their cap in a year where there's financial flexibility. So there's a lot of unknown. It's the same deal with the NBA salary cap. Nobody knows how that's going to work either. That's so I probably going to go down too. Yeah, it's a real yeah. interesting way that teams and players are going to try to manage this unknown situation as they move forward. You know, imagine this too, John. You want to get really sticky with this whole thing? Imagine that they don't get the full 16 games in. Mm. How many players have bonus clauses in their deals with incentives built in that were supposed to be easily reachable incentives? And then they don't make those because all of a sudden, uh-oh, well, they only play 10 games. Well, by the way, that oh, drives, they only play 12 games. And that drives the cap down more because there's less revenue. Exactly. Well, I wonder, and that's though. And that's going to be really sticky because then those guys are going to say, well, I would have made my easily reachable incentives if we had played a full season, which I was counting on, and now I don't get it. And what it's, if they It's going to get sticky. And what if they play five or – just, again, I, I don't think this will happen. What if they play six games? Does that count for service time? I don't know. Does that count for a full season of service That's a time? Good question, I, John. I don't know the answer to any of that. These rules are so fluid. 
Well, if you remember, we talked on a previous show, and Albert Breer of SI brought this to everybody's attention. There's a contagious disease clause in the NFL rule book, which would allow teams to make certain players inactive and bring up as many as eight from the practice squad each week if it gets to that degree. I'm curious if there's some clauses in the NFL rules that account for cancellation of games because of unforeseen circumstances and does the language already have yeah, maybe. in print something that says whether players are entitled to their bonuses as you just brought up in the event that games are cut short or whatever it may be because even though these are things that normally don't happen I think any league has to at least keep in the back of their mind you know god forbid an earthquake or a disaster and it forces the cancellation of games how do you then handle the financial implications John I suggest we get Lance a copy of the CBA. We'll hear from him in three months. <laughs> well, it probably will take me three months, but I will still be fascinated in reading it. I will tell you that. It will take me three months, though. There's no doubt about that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Guys, and a magnifying glass. Guys, enjoy your weekend. You Absolutely. too. All right, and we'll be back live next week. Then we're going to be off uh, the week after the 4th of July in terms of live shows. We're going to do more of those team previews. Paul, Lance, and Jeff will record some shows because I am off. We cannot stream live. Uh, but next week we'll be back live as we continue to talk about what's going on with the Giants in the offseason. Thanks for being with us. Again, you can send in your questions to Big Blue Kickoff at Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions. Make sure you get them in or hashtag Giants chat. You can find the archive of this show on Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. For Paul Dottino and Lance Meow, I am John Schmelk. Have a great weekend, everybody. And more importantly, stay safe.